you know, our, our position is the technology's really only going to ideally put you in a position where you know uh, who to engage with and, and when, you know, that kind of like next best action, so to speak. Um, and, and also, you know, with the, with the rate of, of change in the, in the job market, the, the volume of people who are moving around uh, right now, um, it's also hard to just keep track of the people that you, you think you have connections with at your existing customer base. And so we, we, we believe it's mostly about uh, that next best action and, and being, uh, you know, in the right place at the right time. But, but to, be, to be sure, once, once you're there, you know, and the conversation starts, the humanization yeah, is essential. Um, one thing that uh, was f- more prominent in the last state of sales report in 2021, but I think still still comes through in this one is the importance of trust. Um, it, you know, as as buyers think about who they're going to do business with, and um, so so yeah, I think you know that that's not going to come through in any form of technology. That's going to be in that that you know human to human connection. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Brian Walton. Brian is the Senior Director of Sales at LinkedIn for Enterprise Customer Business. And in our conversation today, Brian and I are talking about results from LinkedIn's 2022 State of Sales Report. I I always enjoy talking about this. And we dive into some of some more interesting findings from the study. For instance, one topic Brian and I get into is the way in which top sellers become successful is that they're using technology to make themselves more human and more connected to buyers, which, you know, is a favorite topic of mine. And it's a fascinating contrast from the way that most sellers are using technology in their selling, which is, you know, to do more things, right? To engage in ill-advised outreach activities simply because they can, because the technology enables it. So other interesting findings along the same lines include the fact that top 10% of sellers are far more, far more likely, by almost twice as the percentages, far more likely than other sellers to use technology to do sort of continuous in-depth research before interacting with buyers, right? Because they're doing it to make sure they understand the buyer's needs and understand the buyer's role in the, in the buying process and to be more, as we talked about before, more personal and more human in the way they communicate. So we get into this and much, much more from the 2022 LinkedIn State of Sales Report. But before we get to Brian, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for that. And let's jump into it with Brian. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate you having me. Well, pleasure to have you here. So um, tell us a little bit about you and, and what you do. Certainly. So I uh, lead a sales organization at LinkedIn. We have uh, a few different lines of business. Uh, most people know us for our uh, talent and recruiting products, but we have a, a product, obviously, for sales organizations as well called Sales Navigator and Sales Insights. And so um, I'm a part of that group and I lead uh, what we call our major accounts segment, which is essentially our uh, about 300 of our largest customers based in North America, uh, based on a uh, number of sellers at those organizations. So lead that group. Um, and uh, I've been in this business unit for about eight years. I joined LinkedIn two years prior to that, spent a couple years in, in talent solutions and uh, have been in sales and uh, in, in sales leadership my entire career, uh, even starting while I was in at university in, in Santa Barbara. So yeah, what'd you do? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I went to UC Santa Barbara and I ended up getting a job. If I recall, it was my junior year for the Daily Nexus, which was the uh, the campus newspaper selling mm-hmm. advertising. And mm-hmm. so uh, I went out you know, into the field and convinced all the local merchants to advertise to our student body. Right. And uh, it was an interesting sale because, you know, a lot of questions around do, do your college students actually read the newspaper? <laughs> and then uh, do, do they have any money to come and actually spend at my uh, my place of business? And so not a lot of wins, but a few. And well, I, would uh, think, yeah, I would think like uh, pubs, pizza parlors, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of those, all of those folks were very dependable, but those were existing uh, customers. And as oh. a newcomer to the team, I had to go find the new one. So my first win was uh, Lee's tailoring. I convinced Lee that there may be a student or two that you know needs to uh, hem their pants or hem their pants or shorten, yeah, yeah. or something like that. And uh, he ran one ad, and uh, he didn't run another one, so <laughs> apparently not. But, uh, but yeah, that was the first like official sales job, and uh, and then 
I spent some time in kind of a related field uh, working in, in radio, managing our promotions department. So sort of a, uh, you know, secure on-air giveaways from mm -hmm. all the local local merchants and, and give them away in exchange for you know, air coverage. So kind of like a sales job, but um, not in exchange for actual money. So um, more or less been doing this my whole my whole career. Yeah. I mean, so when you graduated school, you thought, OK, sales? Uh, no, uh, actually not. So um, I was very interested in the media field. I was hoping to take, you know, radio music, uh, maybe work for like a record label or something like mm -hmm. that and, and go the distance there. And um, like like many people, I got uh, uh, enamored by the uh, the flexibility, the earnings potential and also just the. Um, you know, the, the opportunity to go and like solve problems as a right. sales person. And I ended up getting a job uh, with a, uh, a friend's company, actually, his, his father had started a company in the, um, the telecom space, business telecom, and uh, just, you know, really, really took to it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I was, I was successful and uh, just been, you know, kind of, um, you know, learning and, and uh, evolving from there. So not, not a predetermined path, though, by any means. No. So few people that come on the show <laughs> that have spent their careers in sales. That's right. Thought, yeah, you know, graduate college. I really want to go into sales. It's like, mm, no. Yeah. I mean, for me, as I graduated college without a plan, and you know, <laughs> didn't have any any income. Went to work at, at the university I graduated mm -hmm. from for sort of a summer job, and then I sort of at the end of the summer. It's like, God, the university is offering me a job to stay, but like. Who wants to work on campus? And <laughs> right. that sort of drove me to the uh, career placement center. And then lo and behold, yeah, all the big tech companies were recruiting. So, of course, yeah. Sales jobs. Though, interestingly, they didn't call them sales jobs. So, what they yeah, call this, this is, well, it tells you something about sales that even I won't frighten people about how many years ago this was, but is big companies like IBM and Burroughs and Xerox and so on. Yeah, they were called marketing management training programs. Ah, okay. But it's yeah. like very well, that flashy. Sounds like bait, that sounds like bait and switch, doesn't it? As, uh -huh. as oh, <laughs> that sounds kind of sexy. It's like oh, I got to go make cold calls. What are you talking uh -huh, about? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. What am I marketing and who am I managing? Neither <laughs> of them. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Clever. So, yeah. Worked, yeah. Though, they got you. Yeah. They got me. Hey, and it's stuck. Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah, decades and decades later. Well, sort of along the same line, one of the things we really wanted to talk about today was the your LinkedIn 2022 State of Sales Report, which I always yeah, find yeah. interesting reading. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I don't know if we'll get past talking the the first key finding because it's there's you can unpack it so many different ways. So top finding, as I read it, was that top sellers use the tech stack to humanize interactions with buyers. Mm -hmm. And I thought. Hmm. <laughs> there's uh, really so. Let's let's talk about that because, yeah. because there's a lot of sellers using a tech stack to automate interactions with buyers that right. uh, are not humanizing. So, yeah. so let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, maybe just a, a quick background on the state of sales sure. report. So this is a survey that uh, LinkedIn has been conducting now for the last several years. We survey sure. about fifteen thousand. Uh, buyers and sellers uh, around the world, and we take different cuts based on different um, regions, and then produce this report. And so we just we just released the most recent one a few weeks ago, and um, yeah, I mean, in in many ways, you know, a lot of continuing themes from what we saw the last couple of years. With um, certainly the the pandemic and virtual selling continue to play a, a prominent role mm -hmm. in, in uh, the buyer seller uh, you know ecosystem. But uh, yeah, what's interesting is, you know, you see this um, increase in the use of technology, of course, and data, reliance on data. Yep. And uh, what we're finding in the most recent one is that um, that when you look at the the amount of time sellers are actually selling, it continues to be low relative to a lot of the other things they have to focus on, you know, admin tasks, internal meetings, et cetera. Um, but some of the um, top sellers, when we like differentiated those who are top performers versus middle of the pack, are actually spending even less time than the middle uh, of the pack um, in 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 pure selling activities, and mm -hmm. they attribute that uh, more to the fact that they're more reliant on technology to better understand their buyer and their customer 
They're uh, more allegiant to using the systems and tools and CRM, for example, to mm-hmm. uh, track their activities. And so our, our theory here is that there's just a lot more time spent in you know, getting prepared to ensure that when you do make connection with someone that you think could be a customer or that already is, that you are um, you know, bringing the right level of expertise, the, the right you know, hypothesis on how you can help them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, ideally even able to uh, draw some you know, connections between you know, uh, who you are, who they are, uh, you know, mutual relationships, Right, uh, etc., and, and just warming up that that conversation. So yeah, it is a bit of a paradox, though, right? Because you think like, well, is. the more the more the more dependent they'd be, the more robotic and less uh, personal. But uh, used the right way, it's it's actually quite the opposite effect. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, think about that. Is is so we have this this sort of idea about how much person, what percent of the time sellers spend actually selling, mm-hmm. and. My belief is that hasn't changed in decades. <laughs> right. That it's, you know, sort of hovers around that one third of their time they're actually engaged with with buyers. Uh, the fact that the top sellers spend even less time to me makes a lot of sense, actually. And because I would argue that that those who are at the top probably have at least companies I've worked with in terms of clients and my own work and so on. Those at the top tend to be working with fewer prospects. You know, they have, like I say, relatively thinner pipelines because they're closing a higher fraction of the deals. They do a better job discovering qualification, weed out the ones that aren't going to work. And thus are, to me, it sort of makes sense that they actually spend less time selling time to bring a deal from initial point of interest to a close than the middle of the pack. Right. I think that's true, right? Yeah, and then, you know, on the flip side, you have buyers who are, increasingly more aware of what they're looking for and their requirements and are also inclined to spend less time with sellers if they can, if they can help it. Um, and then to add to that, you know, something that we've observed with our own teams is that, mm-hmm. you know, as we've tried to shift back to, uh, you know, more in-person events and these sort of right. high touch, high touch experiences, we're finding, uh, that in, in some cases, customers are less inclined to participate. Um, uh, there's even more sensitivity to like time of day. So, you know, whereas before you could fill up a, a private room at a nice restaurant really easily. Um, nowadays, we're getting some more of the reaction of, you know, I have a, a routine with my family that uh, yes. I have, you know, become quite loyal to. And I'm not going to go to your dinner, even if it's at, you know, the most exclusive restaurant in the Bay Area. And there, uh, there's actually more inclination to join us for like midday type things. And so we yeah. are field marketing team has even kind of shifted like their approach in that in that way as well. Hadn't thought about that. That makes tremendous amount of sense though. It's, yeah. is with more and more people working from home. Yeah. When yeah. you're in the office and there is an event, hey, escape, right? We get to leave the yeah. office. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes total sense mm-hmm. in that regard. Yeah. I, I, um, what, well, so one of the things I wanted to sort of drill down on is, is sort of two words that are used is because I, yeah, I read like you. I read the reports about how you know buyers don't want to spend as much time with sellers and so on. But I'm, my belief is a little bit different, which is that I think that I think buyers, the self-aware buyer, knows they need to spend time with sellers, right? The sellers, good sellers, bring something to the table that they don't have, mm-hmm. right? And and sociologists have written about this idea of weak ties, strong ties. You know, if you people you work with, you develop strong ties. Trouble is, you all you all know the same stuff, right? And so when it comes to making a change, investing in something, you need different perspectives, you know, people you have weak ties with to come in and help you, you know, ask the right questions you didn't think to ask yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, I think for people that can, and I think this is where the connection and humanization comes in, is I think this is really the, the tie that and also opens that door to your influence that that sort of separates sellers, I think. And I think the sellers who are sort of leaning into the automation so much where they're not paying attention to, yeah, how am I bringing myself to this experience? Because, you know, Challenger Forrester have written about, you know, 53% of the purchase decisions based on the buyer's experience with individual seller. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah, are, are we really humanizing through the technology or is, are we doing enough enabling the people to be able to perfect those skills that uh, attributes, let's say, that enable them to connect with someone. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a, a great point. And I mean, I know you've you've written about this uh, on your own um, blog and covered it in this podcast. But, you know, I, I think that to, to be clear, you know, our, our position is the technology's really only going to ideally put you in a position where you know uh, who to engage with and, and when, you know, that kind of like next best action, so right. to speak. Um, and, and also, you know, with the, with the rate of, of change in the, in the job market, the, the volume of people who are moving around, uh, right now, um, it's also hard to just keep track of the people that you, you think you have connections with at your existing customer base. And so right. we, 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 we believe it, it's mostly about, uh, that next best action and, and being, uh, you know, in the right place at the right time. But, but right. to be, to be sure, once, once you're there, you know, and the conversation starts, the humanization yeah, is essential. Um, one thing that uh, was f- more prominent in the last state of sales report in 2021, but I think still still comes through in this one is the importance of trust. Um, it, you know, as as buyers think about who they're going to do business with, and um, so so yeah, I think you know that that's not going to come through in any form of technology. That's going to be in that that you know human to human connection. Yeah, and and I always like to refer back to this report Gartner put out. I don't know, sometimes since 2010, I can't remember the exact year. I tried to find it before he came on the air, but is that that trust is with the individual mm-hmm. more so than with the the company they work for? And yeah. you know, people tend to think, oh, big company, certainly the IBM, the fear, uncertainty, doubt thing. That yeah, I I came of age in sales, fighting against that every single day. But by and large, in the economy we're in with more you know, upstart companies where people want to take a chance on a smaller company where they weren't when I started my career, uh, that trust, yeah, really boils down to trust with that person. Yep. And so I'm curious, this is a little bit of a segue, but aligned is as an insider at LinkedIn, mm-hmm. you know, how do you guys view how the platform's been used sort of for that purpose of connecting and building trust because it's it certainly has morphed and continues to morph and change yeah but you know it in some respects you know i look at my inbox and in linkedin which yeah three four years ago i didn't get anything now Mm -hmm. you know deluged like my inbox uh, my email inbox is it's like yeah people just transported over their behaviors from email to sort of to linkedin to some degree Right, right. Yeah. If I could actually, I will address that. I wanted to back up and share just a quick anecdote about um, the, the importance of trust with the individual versus just the brand itself. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. please. That, that totally that totally resonates. I'll, I'll share a quick anecdote. So, um, you know, at LinkedIn, you know, obviously we have a well-established brand. We have mm-hmm. great, great products. We have a, a strong following and customer base. Um, and even still with all of that, we find that uh, you know, when we move accounts around, um, that there uh, definitely is like a lag between like assigning one to a new sales rep and then mm-hmm. their ability to like get entrenched there and right. build, you know, momentum into an opportunity. And you would think with with some of our you know, head start from a product and brand recognition perspective that that wouldn't be as much the case. But t- to your point, I think it does come down to I'm, I'm working with this individual um, regardless of who they represent, and until I've established the right level of trust with them, like I'm not, I'm not necessarily doing business. And so, yeah. I just want, I just want to share that. I think you know, obviously that's the case with, you know, earlier stage companies, but we we experience that to some to some degree as well, even even at LinkedIn, and I, I think that probably holds true for for larger brands. Yeah. Well, um, before you before you go on, I was just gonna say is because yeah. absolutely, it's, I think one of the things that's we've lost, well, maybe lost might be too strong a term, but. You know, as we become more specialized, we have broken up customer success and so on. But, you know, I'd, when I was getting started and we were dealing with big accounts, you know, you, you own those accounts, right, for a long mm-hmm. period of time. And there were, I remember the first job I worked at, a guy that had, uh, at the time, was, was uh, Pacabell, not Pacific Telephone, <laughs> uh, Pacific Telephone, whatever they call itself now. Um, yeah. But he had been on that account for six, seven years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He just knew it inside it out and that trust was embedded in him right um but yeah when we change people so quickly these days or people change themselves let's say yeah you're always rebuilding it you are that trust that level of trust and if somebody i think if somebody was using linkedin appropriately they'd be able to say yeah here's opportunities to go attack that account because they've just had a change of account management uh let's go yeah wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, in in response to your other uh, point there, um, so so we, you know, obviously as we've grown and we're we're up over uh, 800 million members now, we've continued to uh, certainly notice uh, the evolution of the network and and the you know standards of behavior and, and conduct. Mm-hmm. Um, like like any you know large social network, we have our uh, the population of, of bad actors that we're trying to keep off the platform. Um, and so there is, there is a large, uh, team, uh, in like the trust and safety, uh, side of the business that's, that's focused on like, you know, scaled, uh, investments to, uh, try and try and mitigate that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we believe that in, uh, if you, if you kind of zero in on the, the sales solutions business and like how our customers use our product, um, there, there is a, I'd, I'd say a, a significant kind of learning curve that we will go through with our customers to train them, like not so much on the product itself, but just on um, sort of the spirit of the network and mm-hmm. you know what, what the best practices are around how you want to engage. And right. um, you know, wh- one of the things that is most closely correlated to the actual like value and return on investment that our customers are getting is. Like, what's the quality of the outreach that your your reps are sending out there, and and you know, therefore, what's the the level of response that they're getting, and like email acceptance rates and things like that. And so, uh, but it is a heavy lift. And as we've ventured from you know, sort of the early adopters of you know the the B two B tech community that were like first to jump mm-hmm. on our solution, now into some of the more. Um, uh, you know, like late, later adopter industries that, that maybe are more heavily regulated, like financial services or what have you. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, definitely a, a learning curve there around, you know, what, what is the network? What's it intended to be, uh, to be about, you know, how, how do you show up? And then from there, how do you channel that, that, um, you know, that sort of philosophy into like how you use the products? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Uh, it's I, ongoing, I, ongoing effort though, for sure. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, I, I, that's not meant as a criticism at all because yeah. I'm one of these believers, I'm a true believer in the power of LinkedIn and the fact that it's becoming, if you're in sales, for instance, business in general, it's sales specifically, it's never been more important and it's only going to increasingly be more important for you going forward in terms of your ability to connect, enter into the right conversations and also, you know, play off what you had said before is tell people how you're showing up in the world. Mm-hmm. And and this is yeah. If we're in a world that's increasingly automated from a sales, you know, if we people forecast, you know, hey, years in the future, it's all AI, blah blah blah, which I don't buy. But is it is become increasingly automated, and it's the part that stands out is going to be the human part, mm-hmm. right? So if we know from I don't intro what your studies are, but I mean, there was a study that came out from the Rain Group a year and a half or so ago said you know eighty two percent of buyers look up. A seller's profile on LinkedIn before they they talk to him the first time. So just assume it's 100 percent, right? That's large enough. Yeah. It's just 100 percent. What are they seeing when they show up there? Mm-hmm. And if that's increasingly how their people are making their uh, perception of you, forming perceptions of you, or creating your creating your first impression, yeah, what are they finding? And yeah. um, the fact that so few, in a relative sense, so few sellers of the total population are making that investment to intentionally create a positive impression mm-hmm. for people coming to the profile is, you know, A, it's still a huge opportunity, but B, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, this is, this is the channel to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the, the profile itself is just, I mean, it's, it's beyond even like table stakes right now. You know, one of the things we're seeing that is really differentiating those that are most successful on the platform from those that aren't is just like your willingness to engage mm-hmm. and share share a perspective, and um, I mean, I, I personally can can uh, admit that you know at times, uh, you know, there's a bit of apprehension around like, well, do I want to post this, and you know, how would I frame this, and mm-hmm. what's the best choice of words here, and um, eventually you just kind of have to like get over the line and and, and do, it. do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Um, you know, like um, I think I think to some extent as well, uh, we're inspired by you know, the up and coming generations that um, are cl- clearly, uh, you know, very interested in, in the creator side mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, how they participate in social media. You know, you see like TikTok obviously being a, a massive, right. uh, you know, p- success so far. And, 
And uh, so, so increasingly we're in investing there as well as how do we support that creator community on LinkedIn and, and help, um, you know, professionals of any, you know, age or, or uh, area of expertise showcase what they know or their perspectives on things. And there's a lot of value to be delivered and exchanged um, for, for those that are willing to do that. So I think that's sort of the next frontier, you know, they're, we're still getting people to right. just complete profiles, but, um, <laughs> but, but seeing, seeing more and more energy towards that ladder creator community as well. Yeah. But as, as interesting in your perspective as a sales leader, especially at LinkedIn is there's still, it's surprising to me, but I know I'm, maybe I'm being yeah, Pollyannish about this is that there are sales leaders who actively discourage people from from LinkedIn, right? Being too in terms of posting and and engaging and being too too involved, I guess, from their perspective. And yeah, I'm always uh, taken aback, especially in certain industries, tech world in particular, where people are using it effectively. Mm-hmm. Is it's not just about social selling and reaching out, and making the contact. It's as you said. So you got to put yourself out there. And That's right. if I'm going to, I look at hundred percent of the salespeople that I talk to that reach me that I want to talk to, I look at their profile mm-hmm. and I see what they're posting, if they're posting at all mm-hmm. and yeah, what they're posting about. Do they have a point of view? How many followers have they got? I mean, it's not, I don't have like a you know hard metric about it. I just want to see what mm-hmm. they're doing. And if they're yeah. active, if they're not active, it's like, well, who are you? Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, we 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 are seeing that that um, that stigma around participating mm-hmm. is is definitely in decline. I think. I mean, I, I think that's sort of a a relic of sort of the concern over like regulatory you know constraints and and and, and those are real, right? Sure. Like if you're working for a bank or a healthcare right. you know facility or something. Um, but then also, you know, we are. Um, our brand uh, in the eyes of many is still predominantly as a like a place to go get a job. Um, if you're if you're a, a bit you know disconnected from right. how the network has evolved over the years, and so I can certainly see the perspective as a as a hiring manager, you know, with a, a staff of people that if if I don't understand what this is about and I think it's a place to go get a job, and you're spending half your day on it, yeah. you're probably looking <laughs> to switch jobs. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's still out there and that's understandable. And we're, we're obviously trying to educate, you know, the, the world of, of all the different ways we provide value beyond just finding jobs. So. Well, the question I was going to ask is how do you encourage your own people to use it mm-hmm. internally? Yeah. I mean, not internally, but LinkedIn people themselves, you know, your sales sellers, how are they encouraged or trained to use it? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, uh, we go through just through onboarding. I mean, people get, you know, a much a uh, more complete view of like all the different ways that they can use the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, m- there's a bit of a, 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 I think probably like a, a bias as well that, you know, as people are um, interviewing for roles at LinkedIn, they kind of appreciate that like, well, if I'm going to show up at this, this interview and, and, you know, try and get a job at this company, I better at least have a, uh, a LinkedIn profile and a complete <laughs> one. Um, and then, and then as well, um, you know, typically, you know, we, we do in our uh, uh, biweekly uh, company connect, which is effectively like a, a company all hands type meeting, um, new new employee introductions. And there's there's three um, every every couple of weeks of, of random folks across the business, across the world. And one of the questions we ask is like, what, what compelled you to come to the company? And more often than not, uh, folks have like really pre-identified based on our cultural attributes and our like impact on the the world vision products etc that they want to come work here so so i think these folks have already sort of decided like they're they're like all in and right. and and walk in walk in with a certain level of like proficiency right um then beyond that is we depending on the you know the role they're getting into but in the sales um organization there's you know much more exposure through onboarding to like this is what you know best best in class looks like and i, I think even from there you still end up with a a um a spectrum of people and and how they choose to participate we have some very very active people and some you know not so much at all um but uh um you know and i think we've not studied it deeply like internally um in terms of like just basic use of the the dot-com platform um but when we look at like use of sales navigator for example um there's some clear correlation you know to to how much success people are having and we're 
you know, um, providing that same perspective to our customers as well, which is yeah. helpful. Interesting. Well, let's let's jump into a couple other the key key findings. So, sure. one I thought was was made me laugh, uh, smile, laugh is is it said that quote many sellers are engaging in ill advised outreach simply because they can, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, gosh, that's that's like the great the great lesson that. Yeah, many haven't learned in tech is that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hence, uh, yeah, marketing automation failures and so on. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that one, we don't have to dig in too much. I just, <laughs> I just think. Didn't it, surprise you, huh? No, and it's, but that's sort of what's happening. I see it on LinkedIn, right? It's, it's, it's sort of the same behaviors we're seeing, the, you know, that people using a cold yeah. email, using cold outreach and you know, DMs and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it didn't work on email. Why do you think it's going to work here? Right, um, right. Yeah. Well, and this is, I mean, this is one of the, I think the issues that we, you know, continue to argue with, you know, just in, in this in this space and, and, in, and in sales and, and you're doing it as well with your own, you know, uh, your own thought leadership is, I mean, there are still a large population of uh, business leaders and sales leaders that anchor on it's like purely a numbers game. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and to some extent, they're right. Like if you do right. more of something, eventually you will get what you're looking for. Um, but uh, diminishing returns. And I actually I mean, I, I periodically get, you know, cold emails myself. I got one the other day. It was like someone pitching me about like medical devices. And I, I, you know, (laughs) in, in any other company, I'd probably just, you know, block it and send it to junk. Um, and here, um, given the, the product and the value prop I represent, I I have to respond to all, I choose to respond to all those people. And I say, Hey, okay. Well, yeah. Cause it's it's an opportunity to educate, like, you know, and and so I always say, Hey, uh, If you look at my LinkedIn profile, here's the link. Uh, I have nothing to do with medical device purchasing. It's not in any way, shape, or form a focus area for me professionally or personally. And um, you know, if if you want to get more effective at your job and finding the the right people, you ought to use LinkedIn and you ought to use this product. And you know, have your uh, supervisor reach out to me and I can, you know, connect you with someone. Right. Funny enough, I rarely get a response to that. I think, I think oh, most okay. people feel like, um, offended, maybe insulted, uh, um, uh, but very rarely get a response. But, uh, but yeah, I, I still get a lot of those. And I, again, I, I think it's like somewhere in the, in the, you know, the, the management chain there, it's just like, you got to bang out your hundred notes yep. today. Yep, uh, exactly. and, uh, you know, you'll get your five responses, maybe. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think that constitutes still the vast majority of those people in sales, right? And I think yeah. those who are using the platform while it's still a small percentage. But yeah, I told the story on this program several times. But I love telling it because it's such a great story. Is that, yeah, you know, I get a message from somebody in my inbox. This was over a year or so ago. Yeah, you know, hey, Andy, just look at your profile. And yeah, based on that, I think you'd make an ideal candidate to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, that's when I responded. I, yeah. I spent all day responding at this point. Um, and it was like, hey, uh, <laughs> you said you're on the platform. You messaged me on the platform. You said you looked at my profile. You may have noticed. I said, don't you do any research at all if you just spent 10, 15 seconds? And he says, you know, <laughs> we, we, he said, literally. We don't have time. Really? Yeah. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I said, Such I a miss. More yeah. of those than, than we'd like to believe out there. So yeah. Well, well hey. and you forever you forever impede, if not yourself, uh, your entire company, you know, from doing business with some of those those organizations, right? It's just yeah. that that negative impact on the brand is so strong. Very strong. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, I didn't mean to get done this rabbit hole, but it's, it's true is, you know, companies that don't have creators on them. And, and again, I get companies that reach out that want to have, you know, execs on the show, you know, PR people and, and yeah, I go to LinkedIn first time, every time to mm-hmm. start learning about the person. And it's like, well, okay, he wants them to be a guest on podcast, but person has no following posts, you know, once every four months, it's like, mm-hmm. Why? Or if the same thing would be true. I said, a seller, I, 
create a little firestorm know, a year or so ago, and I posted just saying, you know, I wouldn't hire as a salesperson. A salesperson was not active on LinkedIn, either as yeah. a creator or, you know, connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people thought I was, no, some people thought I was horrible, <laughs> a horrible right. person for that. But it's like, this is, this is the job in the world we're in. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, one of the other the top three findings, just wanted to go through quickly. Where I had time is one is, uh, the pandemic disrupted the sales process permanently and positively mm-hmm. saying that more than half of buyers, 55% said that working remotely has made buying easier. So I was, why has it made it easier? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, uh, partly it's like, we, we don't have to, um, we don't have to go in and like go through like the normal process that all of us would have to go through if we were like going into the office, um, every day. And at the same time, because of the technology, both, both in, in the, in the forms that we're using right now with, with zoom and, and, you know, what have you, mm-hmm. uh, and also all the other resources that that many of us have, um, they can still do their jobs quite effectively. Right. Um, there's another I don't know if you caught it stat in there as well, sort of in the same uh, you know bucket of themes that uh, that sellers are reporting that they're continuing to close quite large deals over 500k uh, yeah. deals without without meeting buyers in person. And so you know if there was a fear that um, uh, you know that that by going purely virtual, the, the transaction, like it would only be suitable for like small transactions where like the stakes were lower. Yeah. Apparently that's, that's not as much the case. So, um, I think, you know, back to our earlier discussion right. around trust, I mean, that's still like essential, but right. it, it validated to us that, uh, the technology generally is at a place where, um, both buyers and sellers are able to be effective in their jobs. And, and for those reasons, we feel like, this isn't something that's going to like immediately 180 back to where it was you no. know, pre pre March 2020. No, I, yeah, I, a lot of what happened, I think, during the pandemic, or a lot of the thing that was content that was posted about this, I think, missed the point, or maybe the companies themselves missed the point, which was because I came of age mostly in the startup world in the valley or in Southern California, uh, selling large enterprise stuff, mm-hmm. big deals, you know, seven, eight, nine figure deals we didn't have a lot of resources, right? So we were sort of always constrained with our ability to go travel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we traveled strategically when it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you read the stuff that sort of coming out during the pandemic. I was like, oh, we just traveled willy nilly, right? We just traveled. If that, our whole objective was to go get in front of the buyer. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that was sort of the problem, wasn't it? Because you were taking the buyer's time uh, without being able to help them move closer, making a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you use travel to advance the deal. So this, yeah. this idea about yeah, we can close big deals without meeting face to face, sure. But I just wonder when things start, whatever the new balance is that we arrive at. If the customers are wanting to see you, if you take the lesson away from this, I think then I think some sellers have, unfortunately, that well, yeah, we can do this without meeting them. I'll go back to what I said even before the pandemic, where I sensed a lot of travel reluctance, like in the SaaS world, uh, to close mm-hmm. the deal. I said, look, you know, it's a half a million dollar deal. I'll get on a plane and go see them. Yeah. If you're not, I'm going to win. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we just wrapped our fiscal year at the end of June and we, you know, if I look at my own organization, the sellers that continued to strike the balance between like leveraging the technology and, and being, you know, uh, thoughtful about when it made sense to do business virtually mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, travel, you know, um, right. thoughtfully uh, performed extremely well. Yeah. And, um, you know, in one case, uh, th- this individual was attempting to do business for the first time with an organization that's not had a, 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 a like a formal corporate agreement with us. And they were based in a uh, an area of the country that was probably more accustomed to uh, travel and like face to face doing business. Um, and this person kind of picked up on that signal and made several trips out there, like like multi-flight, you know, mm-hmm. multi-leg trips just to get there. And, um, you know, and, and the other thing was that um, that opportunity was a bit on the ropes in the last couple weeks of the year. And uh, they had this individual had built so much equity with the buyer uh, committee there 
that when they were, um, you know, attempting to kind of like postpone, you know, into into the next fiscal year, which would have had a massive impact on his earnings potential right. and success and all that. Uh, I told him, I said, you you have an opportunity here based on the the effort you've put into uh, ask them to do business with you for you, not just for right. the product and the service. And I, I think this is one of those occasions where I think you can you can play that card because you, you have a relationship. Yeah. And he uh, he ended up not even having to do that. They sort of picked up on the fact that like we need to do this for John <laughs> and ended up, you know, um, they, we ended up making a, a deal and, and everyone was was real happy with it. So, I, yeah, I do think that it, it will never be one or the other. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, the smart sellers are going to figure out, you know, the the uh, the right the right approach, depending on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's we become sort of doctrinaire about things that I think we become sort of problematic. Mm-hmm. Right. Is yeah, we can do closes without meeting face to face. Like, sure, of course you could. Yeah, no one's ever denied that. But maybe you should go see them. Yeah, and, and I always come back to this idea is that that especially in a you know such a competitive environment that that so many of us sell in is that in the buyer's mind, hey, everybody's basically alike, right? So if everybody's basically alike in terms of product and service, what's the differentiator? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, it could be that trip where you came and showed them some extra attention, right? We yep. cemented that relationship. Yep. You deepened the relationship. Right. You deepened your understanding of what's important to them. Yeah, that enabled you to win the deal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, just don't. Yeah, I, I never understood. <laughs> I mean, there was somebody that put some statistic out near the start of the pandemic. It was like, uh, oh, like, it was just so completely wrong. It's hard to remember, but it was. It was like, uh, <laughs> you know. 75% of you know, B2B transactions were closed, you know, face to face or in person. It's like, no, 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 that's not the way. It's, it's never worked that way. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like to tell people, when did virtual selling start? Right. When Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone. Sure. Of course. Yeah. So that's, that's I, right. Anyway. So another thing that last point I wanted to cover uh, before we run out of time is, was, um, the state of sales report find the sellers in the top court are far more likely by margin of 82 to 49% to do research all the time, quote unquote, mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. or reaching out to prospects. And yeah, I thought, well, okay, that was one of the most salient, salient points I saw in there. Is this is, mm-hmm. And that's not really driven by technology as much as about, you know, curious people. They're intellectually humble uh, yeah. They don't think they know it all. They, they're willing to learn. And LinkedIn is one of among many platforms you can use to learn things you could never have learned before about your prospects to be able to connect with them. Yeah. 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 It, it seems obvious, right? Um, yeah. I actually, uh, one of the things I'm I'm hoping to see in a, in a future report, and I've given this feedback to our team, is some cuts by the um, level of, of complexity of the sale. Cause I, right. I think, I think one of the things that's sort of, um, um, kind of tucked, tucked into that one is that, you know, if, if you have, if you're, if your survey population are, you know, the very transactional low, mm-hmm. low ticket, uh, you know, population along with the strategic sales, uh, you are, you are going to see folks that just, they skew to like the volume game and, you know, the, 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 the research ahead of time isn't maybe as important or, or to your point earlier, they don't have the time. Um, I, I would say that that's um, probably far less, hopefully far less insightful as you get up the the ranks into the the more like enterprise seller community where that would just be table stakes. Yeah, you'd think, but I mean, the, when when you look at research, uh, as I've done recently, that it's one company that put together, they've done really big in win loss analysis, and they've uh, you know conducted thousands of interviews with enterprise level people about why they decide to buy or not buy from a, from vendors and from both the winning why you win perspective and why you lose perspective still the the majority in fact the overall majority of reasons have to really do with that personal thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we formed an emotional connection they they cared more about me than their own product pitching their products i mean it's like even in large enterprise, we think, oh, no, it's all about this complex buying process and so on. But, yeah, but you're still dealing with people. Yeah. And yeah, right. you have 14 stakeholders. Well, you got 14 connections you need to make and 14 people mm-hmm. who really understand what's most important to them. And, yeah. and that still comes through even at the biggest deals. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, I, I'm a part of a buying committee at LinkedIn, and uh, I am actually not in a decision making, ultimate decision making role mm-hmm. for for most things around like how we procure or purchase like so- right. software or services. But uh, there's also this whole. Uh, you know, like personal motivation uh, issue and, and sort of what what's the like, what are the organizational dynamics and like, what's the po- like the organizational like political climate that mm-hmm. that uh, that your person or your champion or, or the buyer team is is operating in and that stuff guides so much more than I think the average seller will, will give uh, credit to. Um, mm-hmm. But it, that is that is not something you are going to learn anything about unless you have like a high degree of trust or you have some insider there that's like feeding you the, right. the inner story. Right. But yeah. And I mean, these largest companies uh, that drive so much of like whether, whether or not anything gets done, let alone buying uh, your, your product or service. And I think, I think a lot of sellers miss that, that like this person right now, for example, is gunning for a VP promotion and they're competing with this person over here. Who's also in the buying committee and there's some, you know, some interesting energy between the two of them showing up in my sales pitch um, that actually has nothing to do with me, but I'm kind of like collateral damage. And like knowing that and knowing how to navigate that situation and, and like make everyone a winner somehow is mm-hmm. like could be the difference between getting the deal done or not. And I think I think a lot of times people overlook some of those uh, those details. Well, I think they do. Yeah. I, again, I wrote that in my book is is yeah every if you have. 10 stakeholders in decision, I believe you have 20 because yeah. they have two perspectives. What's in it for the company? What's in yeah. it for And for sure. if you don't understand both perspectives, then you'll encounter what you may have talked about is, yeah, two people sort of contending internally on the buying committee. They could screw up the energy and, and mm-hmm. have to derail the decision. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that comes to, we just don't, we collectively, sales leadership, sales enablement, aren't socializing the ideas that that's important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I agree a thousand percent. I mean, th- and this is, um, I mean, I, I, I like to think that part of the reason I've been successful in my career actually has nothing to do with any of the sales training I've ever gotten. It's because I was, uh, blessed by my parents to have a decent EQ <laughs> and studied, you know, psychology and communications in university and like, fundamentally kind of understand people and like how they tick. Um, and I would, I would, I would say that like the, that experience and skill set and ability has probably been most essential in, in my career mm-hmm. in sales and sales leadership than anything I've like learned in like a corporate training or a handbook. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, yeah, I've forgotten most of what I learned in sales training, except the stuff that's so painful <laughs> that it's stuck in my memory and I'd write about in my book, but yeah, I mean, I think this idea of parenting role, <laughs> parents' role in, in sales sure. is, is stronger than people want to believe. Because yeah, one thing my parents did when we were young, and you know, they were the World War II generation, but you know, we were dressed up and paraded out at parties and so on. And, you know, and for the longest time, I sort of thought, oh, it was you know, they were just showing off, right, showing us off because you know we're well-behaved kids. <laughs> But I sort of later understood what they're really doing to some degree. Yeah, they were showing us off some, but they were also putting us in situations where we had to have conversations with people where there's a distinct social social status mismatch, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Go talk to adults, people that, yeah. and be curious and ask questions. You know, they they wanted to know that we could have these conversations. Yeah, and I think for me well, coming into sales, that was hugely valuable. Mm-hmm. Right, Cause I get out of school, I go into sales. I'm 21. As I like to say, I look 16, uh, nothing about anything. And yet I could go hold conversations with CEOs and founders of companies that I was selling to in an industry I'd know nothing about in the construction industry because I was sincerely interested in in what was important to them and curious and wanted to do that, wanted to solve problems. That was, that was large. That was parenting. I I love that story. And I actually am uh, a little bummed that you said it because (laughs) We're hosting a, a fundraiser event here uh, Saturday for the local elementary school where one of our, our kids goes still. And uh, 
our kids are begging us to stay. It's an adults only party. And our kids are begging us to stay and participate. And we were like, no, 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 you got to get out of here. We don't want to be dealing with you. No one, no one wants to deal with you. And now I'm, I'm like second guessing, like this would be such a perfect opportunity to expose them to 60 adults and, and maybe, yeah. uh, yeah, hone their, uh, <laughs> their, uh, their communication skills. So. Yeah. Well, you might give it a try. Yeah. So, yeah. well, Brian, thank you for joining me. This was great. Thank you. My pleasure. And I was usually asked guests, where can people connect with you? But that'd be sort of stupid to say here is, is connect with Brian on LinkedIn. I'll save you from having to say it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Please do. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody's listening, is take the message away is, is, yeah, brush up on LinkedIn. It's, it's such, it is the place. I said, we, we continue to, we and my company is, can you double down on it and use it more? Cause it's just, People say it's noisy and so on. It's like, no, it's just the beginning. Um, yeah. yeah. There's great potential there if you're a seller in many, multiple dimensions. So, And and don't overthink it. I, to kind of yeah. reiterate my point earlier, I think it's it's easy to look at, you know, folks like you and say, wow, like, I, I don't know if I can, you know, uh, play ball with someone that, that active. You don't have to start there. You know, I think it's... I didn't. Yeah, yeah. of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not for my podcast. I mean, my podcast was really what started me to start posting consistently. And uh, yeah, I mean, seven years, but still. Yeah. Well, congrats to you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks All right, Brian, thanks so much. Thanks, Andy. My pleasure. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank our guest, Brian Walton, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for your help with that. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.